0: Good evening, good evening, good evening. Um, Today, I want to talk to you about the uh, part two of um, white history. And, you know, again, um, we know many white people, not all, um, want to be remembered for being a good person or doing great things now. And... um, You know, sometimes you got to go back in history and remind them that, hey, you may be a good person now, but where you come from, the people you come from, um, they did horrific and uh, just disgusting things to other human beings uh, based off of lies that they were told uh, by supposedly professional people. So, tonight, I'm going to read to you out of Dr. LeGrew's book uh, about Greenwood. And it goes, In 1921, African Americans had managed to build Greenwood, a booming, industrious town within Tulsa, Oklahoma, that came to be called the Negro Wall Street by local residents. Segregated towns like Greenwood formed because it was often unlawful for blacks to own businesses, in white cities. Isn't that ironic? The tension in Tulsa were part of a national pattern during the teens and 20s when city after city exploded in the worst racial conflicts that the country would ever see. Fear of black independence and self-determination took a Freudian form of rape hysteria. In one town after another, Racial violence was sparked by rumors that a Negro had harmed a white woman. Here we go. This happened in Washington, Omaha, Nebraska, Kansas City, Kansas, Knoxville, Tennessee, Longview, Texas, and Rosewood, Florida. Of course, Florida and Texas had to be in there. Why were tensions exploding at this time? In large part because in the face of more than 300 years of bondage, segregation, and oppression, African Americans were organizing and were building healthy and economically self-sustaining communities. Against overwhelming odds, they were becoming successful. For a multitude of reasons, white society, of course, could not sit casually by and watch us flourish. So, in one of the most successful black communities seen in America up until that time, it seemed like something had to give. <clears throat> One morning during rush hour, people claimed they heard Sarah Page, a white elevator operator, scream and then saw Dick Roland, a black shoe shiner, running from the elevator. As a result, Roland was arrested and jailed for assaulting a white woman. Ain't that something? Ain't nobody seen nothing but the white woman. The next day an article and an edit- editorial in the local newspaper called for Roland to be lynched. Of course they did. That night a white mob went to the courthouse to get Roland and a group of black men marched in from Greenwood to protect him. A confrontation between the groups ensued. Shots were fired and the riot began. As the black men retreated to their community, white police officials deputized many of the mob, there goes that mob again, and gave them instructions to, in effect, go out and kill you some damn niggers. Perhaps as many as 10,000 whites stormed Greenwood. When it was all over, Greenwood had been razed to the ground and hundreds were dead. Ironically, Sarah Page refused to press charges against the accused, and Dick Rowland was acquitted. Ain't that something? She didn't know. She knew she was going to cause an uproar, in my opinion. Um, And then when she saw the amount of damage she had done, she said, "Uh, let him live. That's my opinion of the story. Once again, the familiar theme of a white woman being raped spawned a reign of terror by thousands of whites that left hundreds of people dead, the majority black, and the prosperous, segregated black town of Greenwood burned to the ground. Again, white women weaponizing their tears and blaming black men. How ironic. Uh, And again, very disgusting. But we'll keep going. So now I want to talk about Tuskegee. And a lot of us have heard about what happened. So I'm going to give you the version from this uh, book, uh, Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Seemingly in the tradition of J. Marion Sims, the United States government decided it was okay to run medical experiments on African Americans. Of course they did. From 1932 through 1972, the U.S. Public Health Service used 399 African American men who were suffering from syphilis as human laboratory animals in the medical experiment that became known as the Tuskegee Syphilis Study. The majority of the men were illiterate sharecroppers from Alabama who came to Tuskegee complaining of fatigue. Contrary to popular belief, the government did not give these men syphilis. They already had contracted it when they came to the Institute. After tests were run, they were told by doctors and nurses, people they were taught to trust, that they were being treated for a blood disorder. In fact, they were not being treated at all. They were mercilessly left to degenerate with the afflictions of syphilis, paralysis, tumors, blindness, and insanity, inevitably resulted in death by many. It is detestable that doctors and institutions of both black and white participated in this experiment. However, the fact that the United States government oversaw such an experiment is inexcusable and barbaric. There we go with the barbarism again. More than 100 of the men died from syphilis during the study. A number of the unwitting uh, participants passed the disease on to their spouses. And in a few cases, their pregnant spouses, in turn, passed it on to their unborn infants. The study was halted in 1972, only after a former public health service worker blew the whistle on the project. Hmm. It's amazing to think that the study might still have gone on until the last participant died almost 30 years later, had it not been for that one public health service worker with a conscience. The study was purported to be a way of learning what effect syphilis had on the body. Unfortunately, this could only be determined post mortem. Hmm. In 1947, only 15 years after the experiment began, penicillin was discovered to be an effective cure for the disease. It was still withheld from the men for the next 25 years. Lynching, raising homes and businesses, and medical experimentation imagine. If the atrocities described above happened to your husband or wife, child, parent, sister or brother, or perhaps your best friend, how would you handle it? It has been been estimated that between 1866 and 1955, more than 10,000 African American men, women, and children had been lynched. Many thousands more had been murdered by other means, and untold numbers of women had been brutalized and raped. Add to this the tens of thousands who received beatings at the hands of whites, in many cases handed out by the police, and it's easy to see that the end of slavery did not mean the end of trauma for black people. Again, We have discussed only the physical violence visited upon these people. What about the psychological violence? What must it be like living in a community where your life is in jeopardy on a daily basis? Where you have to shuffle to survive? Where your dignity and pride are assaulted at every turn? What must it have been like being treated as a third-rate citizen? In a seemingly first rate society, a society whose benefits you are consistently denied access to, ah, that was a lot, and I'm trying not to give you give too much of the white history um out, but I think it's important for people to know about the atrocities that white people did to black people. Like it was nothing. It was nothing to have this done. But when you condition people to believe something and you keep repeating that thing and you keep um, spreading that lie, people believe that. And it's been said that people will believe a lie faster than they will a truth. Well, for black people, they weren't believing anything they said, so it didn't much matter what black people said because a white woman could have you dead, whether you were a female or a male, but mostly males. Um, it reminds me of The Color Purple when... Um. um when Oprah, the the role that Oprah is playing, she has her three children, and her and um her man are at the gas station, and they're getting gas, and she's standing outside with her children, and the 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 mayor's uh, wife comes over, and she wants to touch on them and say how nice and clean they are, and um then she asks um uh, asks Oprah uh, <laughs> if she want to be her maid. <laughs> And Oprah says, "Hell no!" And she says, "What you say, girl?" She said, "I said, hell no!" And you hear all of this. What you say? What you all these white men and women screaming at her? And she's like, "Get my children out of here!" Get. And the brother grab her children and they take them. And the sheriff come through and conquer on her head, and she falls down. And the next thing you know, she's Miss Millie's maid, right? And years and years have gone by, and she get ready to go see her children and uh, at Christmas time. And Miss Millie say, you can stay there all day, all day. I'll drive myself back home. So apparently, she had taught Miss Millie how to drive. Well, she gets in the house, and she's talking to her family and stuff and hugging them up. Miss Millie out there, and she can't turn around that car for nothing. And the brothers try to help her. Lord Jesus. She, I've been good to you people. Haven't I been good to you people? And she is just having the time, and she is a hot, hysterical mess. And the next thing you know, <sighs> Oprah got to get back in that car with her. I didn't forget the character name. Um. But uh is it Miss Seely? No, I don't it ain't Miss Seely, um but it's Oprah. And anyway she got to get back in the car with Miss Millie and go on back home. Miss Millie with her lying self, Miss Millie, um, who thinks she has all the privilege and she did, to go around just touching folks' children and they ain't asked nothing. Um and so white women have been raised like that. They have been raised to think that they are uh the best there is um and it's very interesting i've heard um I've heard a, a a person say to me a white female say to me that um you know the slave owners they didn't really like sleeping with the slaves they weren't they didn't really like them, and I'm like really. Why would you? Well, it was just about control. Well, slavery itself was about control. Um, But sleeping with the same woman time and time again—that's more than about some control. (laughs) You gotta, you gotta like it, like the person a little bit, or like what they have a little bit. Uh, But of course, you know, she's white, and she um, refused to believe that it's possible for a white man, to fall in love with a black woman. That's her her take. Um, But, you know, she telling herself lies, baby. She telling herself lies. So these were two stories I know we've grown up hearing about uh, because it was amazing, um, you know, when people have gone to school and you've had those counselors tell you, You know, um, back in the day, you're only fit to do this and that. And when you've been told that as a people for years and years and years, I mean, you may learn to believe that. And then you find out your history. Like, child, we had a black Wall Street. And people like, what? You mean we did that? We had our own town? You know, and so um, we know better, Right. Um, there was a time when we didn't know better. There was a time when you know we were divided about fighting, and we're still divided. A lot of us are still divided because we're we're a people, but we're not monolithic, right? So we have our own mind. We can think our own thoughts. We can believe what we want to believe. Uh, As far as history is concerned, not all of us came from the same tribe, you know. So there are differences and then you know we were in different states in slavery and so you got different ways of uh being dealt with or things that were told to you by your white masters so there's that but once you think about your history it should give you some hope you know um yes we were enslaved yes we came over And we couldn't speak the language, but we learned how to speak the language, right? We came out of slavery. We built our own institutions. We had our own churches. We taught our own people. Huh? And we what? We're the lazy ones? Mm, I don't think so. (laughs) I don't think so. But there was some barbaric things done. And as I mentioned um, in the... Uh, part about the Tuskegee, uh, J. Marion Sims. Y'all look him up. Um, He was a doctor who did some horrific things to women and the children, all in the name of um, science and experimentation. But I also want you to remember that back then, there were some of the professors or uh, doctors back then, got their PhDs at universities um, after they'd been there a month or so or um, because, you know, they had money. You know, there was talk about one university, I believe, in Europe that was selling degrees. So if you had the money, you could buy it. So the other thing is, like, just like in society now, we tend to believe people who have the degrees, um, and a lot of times, I, I I won't say, I won't discount that, because there are some great people out there. I have two degrees myself, but um, we don't know it all, you know, and when people do research, research can always be um, <laughs> done the way you want it, or made to say what you needed to say, depending on the tests you do, how many people you talk to, uh, the questions you ask, just a myriad of things. And so you have to be careful. Um, but people are quick to trust those with degrees uh, versus those without degrees. And that's not always the case. There are people with a wealth of knowledge uh, who are our parents, our grandparents, our aunties, our uncles, um, you know, um, who don't have degrees, but they've lived, okay? Experience is everything. Um, experience is a great teacher. And so uh, we should not always be quick to just believe what people tell us. I remember, you know, in church, the pastor say, study to show yourself approve a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. And, you know, when people um, preach about the Word of God, uh, there's always different interpretations. You may not get the same uh, thing. because. So this is my thought about that um, as to why. I mean, first of all, there are so many methods of uh, communicating the Bible that it's hard to find um, two that agree. And so there's always going to be um, what you believe you are hearing, because even though there is a person preaching over the pulpit to a myriad of people or this vast amount of people, not two people, not <laughs> they we get the we get different interpretations because a lot of times it's based off where we at in life, what we need, um how we're feeling, you know what we heard. People don't hear the same things, you know? And so it's the same thing as history. It's the same thing with knowledge. Um, You have to really do some research. And again, I encourage you to go online. I encourage you to go to libraries. I encourage you to um, go on YouTube and listen to Dr. Carr and Karen Hunter. They break down a lot of things. And... Dr uh Carr is a professor professor of uh African studies so he has been doing this for years so um white history is black history because it's just so bizarre and barbaric um it's it's hard to imagine that people manage to live through those times. And I know I used to always say, ooh, I couldn't have lived through slavery. Um, Being the person that I am, the fighter that I am, I'm I'm pretty sure I would have died, but that's what I say now. Um, But, you know, um, sometimes you have to uh, submit to survive, you know, and you have to be submissive (laughs) in order to make it. and sometimes you have to detach. And I know a lot of uh slaves that women who probably detached when they were being raped and um men who were being sodomized and things like that because some things you didn't die from physically, but mentally you did. The psychological effect of all those things happening um lingers a a lot longer sometime than the physical pain. And so we have to be mindful of that. Um, And so, you know, as I know most of my audience is black, so I, I will say this, that when you listen to the stories that we have gone through in the past, and it can be very traumatic, but I want you to shine the white lens on that. Like, don't see it through, like, have that out of, out of body experience, the out of body experience. Like you're looking down and you're seeing this. It's not happening to you. Um, but you're, you're looking through the lens as a person, um, who it's not happening to, even though you know it is, but it's, you, I want you to look at the white uh, version of, uh, and, and see the truth in that though. Um, Because, you know, people can, again, like they've done gobs of time, seen videos of injustices and deaths happening on camera and still refuse to believe that the police officer was in the wrong. And that's because they've been told the story that the police officer is always right and the black man is never right. He had to be doing something, right? He had to be doing something for that man to treat him like that. And the truth of the matter is, white history tells you, you don't have to do anything. You just have to be who you are. You just have to be a black person sitting, minding your own business, doing your own thing, and it happens. And it happens all the time. And so I just wanted to give you all a little bit of more of a little bit more of white history. Um, I hope that you are learning something. Again, I admonish you and advise you to um, know your history. Learn your history. Don't let anyone else tell your stories um, and correct people who are wrong, even me. Um, Listen. I'm not trying to make up stuff as I go. I'm taking it from um, people. I'm not plagiarizing. I am not a journalist. I am just simply someone who is giving voice to some words that were read, some stories we've heard over and over again. Um, But make sure you teach your children black history. And um, not all the bad stuff, you know. Teach them the good things. Teach them the things uh, we've invented, the things that we've built. Take them places. I, I used to take my children. We would go out of town and hit museums. And so that's what we did. That was our thing because they're very educational. But they also cause your children to question and ask, you know, about this, that, and the other. And so it's a great way to learn. So... You know, even when you don't have any money, there are free things you can go to. Um, and you can always go to the library. Books. Listen, y'all. Books are my thing now. Um, and I hope that they become a part of your life as well. Because, uh, but be be careful and mindful of who wrote the book. Okay? Because the story will be different sometimes when told by a white person versus a black person. I'm just telling you what I know my experience to be. So I trust more um, someone who looks like me to tell my story. Now, I'm not telling you everybody, but I have a few people that I'm going to trust to tell uh, me the truth about some things. And so, um, listen, you guys. Still black history. I'm still be with you to the end of the month. Wish it was leap year. I might keep going. I might decide to give you a little nugget every month. You know, just just depends. I got some things uh, in the works. But um, definitely know your history, okay? If you have money, get your DNA. Find out where you come from. It's hard to move forward when you don't know where you've been or you don't know your history. All right, y'all? So, as I always say, don't you go around hurting no one, not even yourself. This is Ms. Ruff signing out for The Rough Life.